Our tonight's Bible reading is from Mark chapter 6, verses 14 to 20. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some said John the Baptist had been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work at him. But others said, He is Elijah. And others said, He is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. Good evening, everyone. How are we going tonight? Cool. Thank you to the three people that answered. Um, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for tonight. Thank you we come and worship you. Uh, thank you for the reading that we've just heard, and I pray that my words will be your words and your Holy Spirit will move in this place tonight. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've known me for any length of time, then you will know that I love free things. Anything is free. Little things, big things, it doesn't matter. Last week, after the service, some of us went down to Macca's, I ordered my meal, pulled off my Monopoly token, free cheeseburger, winning. I love free things. For a little while now, uh, Friday afternoons in our place have been, there's not a name for it, but I think it's just called Special Daddy Afternoon. In our house, if you just put special in front of anything, the kids think it's awesome. Friday afternoons have been me picking up Esther from school, and then Esther, Scarlett, Asher and myself all go down to Costco. The goal? Just to wander around and get free samples and have afternoon tea. <laughs> Pizza, cheese on crackers, steak, milk drinks with those little sippy straws, you name it, vanilla slices. We've, we've cashed in. It's been great. The kids have loved it, as have I. Um, it actually got to the stage, though, where a couple of weeks it didn't happen, and Dale can testify to this. Uh, I then got a phone call because I was in my office. There was a riot at our place because they, we weren't going to Costco. <laughs> my kids, following me, they love free things. Now, I know, though, that these free things come at a cost. Someone has to pay for them. Macca's is paying for my cheeseburger. Costco's paying for my free samples. I've received free uh, rounds of golf because a friend of mine, his business sponsored the day and got a team and I got to cash in and get a free round of golf. Everything comes at a cost. Yes? Everything comes at a cost in that if I eat heaps of free cheeseburgers and Costco samples, then I'm probably not going to be very healthy. Everything comes at a cost. If I decide to watch heaps of TV one night and stay up late... Uh, then the cost will be that in the morning I'll either wake up late and be late for work or I'll wake up and I'll be cranky because I haven't, haven't had enough sleep. Everything comes at a cost. Now, I actually think that when we look at the cost of things, we're actually weighing, like comparing the costs. I sort of did this um, when I was preparing to ask Rachel out many, many years ago. I sort of weighed it up from the point of view that it was like, now I could ask Rachel out. Now if she said no, I would be humiliated, I would run and hide and hope that nobody heard about it. The flip side of that is though, is if I'm concerned so much about that cost, then maybe I won't ever ask her out. Uh, I'll be able to keep my dignity 
but I would probably still be single. So I had to weigh up what the costs were. Understand? Everything comes at a cost. Throughout the Bible, we read Jesus telling people that there is a cost in following him. Mark chapter 8, verse 34 says, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. There is a cost to following Jesus, and that cost is everything. Jesus requires that we give everything of ourselves to follow him. Are you willing to pay that cost? What does paying that cost look like? There were heaps of examples throughout Mark's Gospel that give us a glimpse as to what that looks like. Mark chapter 1, Simon Peter, Andrew, James and John all left their jobs, left the security of the income of their fishing and went and followed Jesus, left family behind to follow him. Mark chapter 2, Levi has a cushy government job. Yes, people don't like him very much, but he's got heaps of money, leaves it all behind to follow Jesus. Mark chapter 3, uh, Jesus redefines the idea of family and says that you know, he's, anyone who follows his father's will is his brother, sister, mother. And yet we see the opposite also in Mark chapter 10 where Jesus has a conversation with the rich young ruler and tells him, you need to give all of your money away to come and follow me. Yet the rich young ruler is not willing to pay that cost and leaves the conversation sad. Everything comes at a cost. Are you willing to pay that cost? Tonight's passage, we're looking at the cost of discipleship. If you actually look at this passage in the context of the rest of the chapter, it actually doesn't seem to fit initially anyway. It looks like somebody's written a book and then just slid another page in that's in the way in the wrong spot. I actually reckon reading this, if you cut this passage out then you, it would just flow because the bit before this is talking about Jesus sending out his apostles to go and heal people and spread the, God's word. And then afterwards, they come back and report to Jesus what took place. So it appears that this passage is just in the wrong spot. However, it appears that it's been put here deliberately so that we, as the readers, are able to weigh up the cost of discipleship while the apostles are going out having been sent by Jesus. The subject of our passage tonight is John the Baptist. Now, the last time we heard about John the Baptist was back in chapter 1, verse 14, where it said John was arrested. And that's all it said. However, here we find out the reason why he was arrested. So starting at verse 14, it says, King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said, he is Elijah. And others said, he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. Now, there are heaps of mentions of King Herod throughout the Bible. They are not all the same person. When Jesus was born, there was a King Herod around. That King Herod and this King Herod are not the same person. King Herod the Great was around when Jesus was born. He ruled a vast empire around Jerusalem, Judea and Galilee uh, from 37 BC till about 4 BC. When he died, his kingdom got split up 
And this King Herod is actually his son who was in charge of Galilee, and his name is actually King Herod Antipas. It says here that he was the reason why John was arrested and why he died, and then he actually got his head lopped off. Then goes on in verse 17 and says, For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Now, at this stage, it's best for me to show you a diagram of this family tree because it's really twisted. Okay, laser pointer in hand. So, here is Herod the Great. He was the one who was the king when Jesus was born. He had ten wives. Side note, two of them actually have the same name. There's only three that I've got there. So, Miriam ni one and Miriam ni two. I don't know, I thought it was funny. So, ten wives, all of them had children. So, these three wives had, so these guys are all half brothers. So, we have Aristobulus, Herod Philip, and Herod Antipas. And so, that's the character in this story tonight. Aristobulus had a daughter called Herodias. Herodias married Herod Philip. All with me so far? Herod Antipas, who's in the story tonight, convinced Herodias to leave his half-brother and to instead the two of these guys then got married. Now, for that to take place, Herod Antipas also had to divorce his wife. Now, that didn't go down too well because Herod Antipas' first wife went back to his dad. Dad wasn't happy. Later on, dad then brought his army down to bash up Herod Antipas's army. Herod Antipas lost and then got exiled by the emperor. Note, boys, don't break girls' hearts. Dads don't like it. I digress. So, Herod Philip was married to Herodias. Herod Antipas convinced Herodias to divorce Herod Philip and instead, these guys got married. Make sense so far? Let me point out, too, that this is the reason why John was not happy. John was saying to Herod Antipas, dude, this is not cool, this is unlawful, this is unmoral, you have married your brother's wife that is also your niece. Just to point that out too. So John was like, mate, this is, this is not cool. Not cool at all. The story then goes on, and I'll leave that up there so you can keep a picture of it. Verse 19, And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death, him being John. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. So Herodias hated John, wanted to have him bumped off. Herod, however, feared John. He was perplexed by what he said. He was willing to hear, hear what he had to say. It's here that we start to see Herod's character come through. Herod was happy to hear what John had to say, you would almost sort of describe him as being like a John sympathiser. Was willing to sort of listen to what he had to say, was intrigued by what he had to say, but there was never any significant life change as a result of John's message to him. I know people who fall into the Herod Antipas category. Uh, I'll be very careful with how I say this because there were some great and lovely people that I met when I was chaplain at school. But there were people there who were like Herod here, 
who loved the fact that there was a chaplain in the school, loved the fact that, that there was someone who people could come to that was like a religious dude, uh, that they loved the idea that chaplaincy uh, provided support for the community and were great supporters of the service, but themselves were not willing to uh, make that life change to follow God, to follow the same God that which I was representing in the school. We too can be guilty of being like Herod Antipas, whereby we can listen to podcasts and messages, we can read Bible stories and think they're great stories. But then when God says to us, hang on a second, there's parts in your life that aren't consistent with the way that I want you to live, what are you going to do about that? And we're left with a choice where we either choose God's way or we choose our own way. We instead decide to go our own way. Herod Antipas was like this, in that he was happy to listen to what John had to say, but he was not willing to make that significant life change. And when his character came out, it actually brought about his undoing. Now, the passage goes on here then, uh, in verse 21. It says, But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. So picture Herod's birthday... Who's who of Galilee are at this party? They're all having a great time. No doubt by this stage they've probably got on the drink and they're pretty loaded. And then it says, For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. No prizes for guessing what type of dance this was. I don't think that Herodias' daughter was doing the chicken dance. You can read between the lines there. And then it goes on and says, And the king said to the girl, I remind you that this is his stepdaughter by this stage. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, Whatever you ask me I will give you up to half of my kingdom. Now he couldn't actually give her half of his kingdom. This is sort of like a flowery way of saying, I'm pleased with your little dance. Um, Whatever you want, I'll give it to you. And she went out and said to her mother, For what should I ask? And it's at this point in time that Herodias cashes in and says, and she came, uh, she went to her mother and said, What should I ask for? And she said, being Herodias, the head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. Can you imagine what that party is like? Sausage rolls, party pies, John the Baptist's head on a platter. Like... Don't go to the wrong plate. But more importantly, here we see King Herod's true character come out. And we see that he's he's found wanting. We see that there is a massive difference between John the Baptist and Herod Antipas. John the Baptist spoke out about the situation with regard to Herod. and said, mate, you should not be married to your brother's wife, Herodias. Did it cost him? Well, yeah, it did. He lost his life. Did it, did it have to get to that? Well, no, it didn't have to. 
However, I'm pretty sure that had John kept quiet, he would have been going against what he believed. Opposite, though, is Herod. Happy to listen to what John had to say. No real significant life change. Did it cost him? Well, he may have saved face in front of all his friends, but you can see from his decision that the cost of losing his friends was greater than the cost of doing what was right. His fear of man was greater than what his fear of God was. The main difference we see is seen in Mark chapter 8, 34 and 35. So we heard verse 34 before. It says, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. This is where we see the difference between these two guys. John the Baptist, happy to stand up for what is right. Yes, it cost him his life, but he gained it. Herod, on the other hand, wanting to save faith to all his friends, was trying to hold on to his life, and as a result of that, he lost it. There is a cost for following Jesus. The question is, though, are you willing to pay that cost? What does that cost look like for you? Maybe Jesus is asking you to follow him for the first time. Or maybe he's asking you to recommit your life because you've drifted away. And the cost, though, is that you may lose friends as a result of your decision. Are you willing to pay that cost? Maybe Jesus is asking you that you know, he... He longs for you to have a closer relationship with him, to read your Bible more, to pray. Maybe the cost of that, therefore, is you can't be on Facebook as much, watch TV as much, go shopping as much, do things that you want to do. Are you willing to pay that cost? Maybe God's asking you to be part of a ministry here and serve, but the cost is that you actually have to commit to coming here, not just sort of come when you want to. Are you willing to pay that cost? Maybe Jesus is wanting you to share your beliefs with those around you, but you're concerned that those people are going to bag you out and think you believe in fairy tales. Are you willing to pay the cost? The cost that we pay is the cost of discipleship. John the Baptist was coming as a forerunner to Jesus. It says throughout the Scriptures that John would come to prepare the way so that people would be ready to hear Jesus. And John understood what discipleship looked like. John chapter 3, verse 27 to 30, after John was asked a question, he answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. That there is the cost of discipleship. Jesus says to us that if we wish to follow him, that we need to deny ourselves to take up our cross and follow him. That all of us will be gone. 
all of what we want will be put aside because instead what we're doing is actually doing what Jesus wants us to do in our life. Everything comes at a cost. Following Jesus comes at a cost. Are you willing to pay that cost? Yes, there is a cost to following Jesus, but there is also a great reward. Peter asked this very question in Mark chapter 10. He said, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Yes, there is a cost to following Jesus. But yes, there is a great reward. There is a great reward of eternal life, life with God forever. Everything comes at a cost. Following Jesus comes at a cost. But are you willing to pay that cost? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you uh, that you're a great God. We thank you for the passage that we've looked at tonight. We thank you for John the Baptist who came uh, as a forerunner to Jesus to prepare the way uh, when Jesus came. We thank you for John's example here, uh, that John was willing to pay the cost of discipleship, that he was willing to give up his life in following you, and as a result of that, he gained eternal life. Lord, help us to follow John's example this week. Encourage us when we are struggling to pay the cost that you demand. Help us, though, remember that while there may be costs here on earth as we follow you, that there is a reward that you promise that if we give up our lives to follow Jesus, that we will receive eternal life. Help us this week to count the cost and to go forward, even though there are costs, in following you each and every day. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.